0: The wave is here. The number of new COVID-19 cases has been climbing rapidly across the nation for the last several weeks. In response, mayors and governors are returning to some of the strong restrictions on business and travel that we saw this spring. In the state of New York, religious groups challenged a restriction on gathering size, and shortly before Thanksgiving, the Supreme Court granted a temporary injunction against its enforcement while the merits of their appeal were being considered. This opinion, Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn versus Cuomo draws an important boundary for state and local emergency power during the pandemic, and it also shows the immediate influence that the appointment of Justice Amy Coney Barrett has had upon the Supreme Court in the United States. In response to the rising number of COVID-19 cases in recent weeks, the governor of New York recently made an executive order that restricts attendance at religious services in areas classified as red or orange zones. In a red zone, no more than 10 persons may attend each religious service, and in orange zones, attendance is capped at 25 This order was challenged by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn and the Ogdaf Israel of America, which is an organization of Orthodox Jewish congregations. In a per curiam opinion, which means for the court, no one individual was named as the author of the opinion, the Supreme Court temporarily blocked enforcement of the order, while the diocese and the Orthodox organization pursued the merits of their appeals. In sum, the court found, and I quote, That they have shown that their First Amendment claims are likely to prevail, that denying them relief would lead to irreparable injury, and that granting relief would not harm the public interest. The critical issue was the plaintiff's likelihood of success, because if they show that, it is relatively straightforward to then show irreparable injury and a public interest in the defense of First Amendment rights. Here, the court's precarium opinion noted that the governor's order specifically focused on religious activity. I quote, In a red zone, while a synagogue or church may not admit more than 10 persons, businesses categorized as essential may admit as many people as they wish. And the list of essential businesses includes things such as acupuncture facilities, campgrounds, garages, as well as many whose services are not limited to those that can be regarded as essential, such as all plants, manufacturing, chemicals, and microelectronics, and all transportation facilities. From there, the court observed that a large Brooklyn store could have hundreds of shoppers within its doors, while a nearby church or synagogue would be limited to 10 or 25 people. It found this particularly in Congress when the record showed statements by the governor that factories and schools had contributed to the spread of COVID-19, while on this record it was undisputed that these religious institutions had strong safety records and had not in fact reported any COVID outbreaks since the pandemic began. Accordingly, the governor's order did not withstand the strict scrutiny that is necessary for a specific restriction on religious liberty. In its analysis, the court also noted a potential less restrictive means of controlling attendance, in which a maximum attendance level would be tied to the size of the religious congregation and, more importantly, the facility, noting that some of the churches and synagogues involved had very large facilities that could handle more than 25 people with a good amount of distance between them. Justice Gorsuch concurred, and among other points he addressed, he spoke to the long-standing Supreme Court precedent of Jacobson versus Massachusetts about a mandatory vaccination program. He noted that many opt-outs in the law that was at issue in Jacobson and contrasted it to this situation, where, in his words, the state has effectively sought to ban all traditional forms of worship in affected zones whenever the governor decrees and for as long as he chooses. Chief Justice Roberts dissented on procedural grounds, noting that the governor had voluntarily changed the designations of the affected areas after the injunction applications had been filed, and that if he was to change his mind again, the Supreme Court and the Second Circuit could respond promptly. While this was a neutral way, a procedural approach, to avoid this difficult First Amendment issue, it was one that none of the other eight justices were interested in joining, as it turned out, and he wrote his dissent without joinder by other members of the court. Justice Breyer dissented on the basis that this order was within the executive's broad discretion in this area. Former professor of administrative law, his reasoning echoes ideas that are commonly used in review of administrative action in that area of law. Justice Sotomayor dissented, focusing on the majority's premise that religion had been singled out, the reason that the majority ultimately applied strict scrutiny to the governor's regulation. She examined earlier case law that she found applicable from earlier in the pandemic, and based on that, she concluded, and I quote, New York applies similar or more severe restrictions to comparable secular gatherings, including lectures, concerts, movie showings, spectator sports, and theatrical performances, where large groups of people gather in close proximity for extended periods of time. Likewise, New York treats more leniently only dissimilar activities, such as operating grocery stores, banks, and laundromats, in which people neither congregate in large groups nor remain in close proximity for extended periods. This opinion shows that the Supreme Court will not simply give a blank check to COVID restrictions, especially if the First Amendment's guarantee of religious freedom is involved. The legal framework for the specific issue before the court, of course, is focused on restrictions related to the COVID-19 pandemic. But the potential interest in religious liberty obviously includes other significant cases that have come before the Supreme Court in recent years, among them the ability of a religious institution that employs people to handle their employees in connection with religious guidelines rather than secular ones, the notion of ecclesiastical abstention. Similarly, there have been discussions about the role of religious liberty in certain government regulations about the funding of contraception, the funding of abortion services, and other such religiously charged matters, and whether the enforcement of certain anti-discrimination laws involving gay couples will be tempered in some way by the beliefs of certain religious groups about that type of relationship. And while we do not know who wrote the per curiam opinion, we do know that it was joined by Justices Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, which shows the immediate impact of Justice Barrett's appointment to the Supreme Court. Would Justice Ginsburg have voted the same way? Of course, we can never know the answer to that question. But an informed guess would be probably not, given that the three justices she usually voted with all descended in some manner from the majority's opinion. And Chief Justice Roberts' dissent, which focused on procedure rather than the merits of this constitutional dispute, certainly sounds like the kind of neutral middle ground that he often tried to reach in other major controversial cases decided by the Supreme Court during his tenure as Chief Justice. These opinions suggest that the justice conservative majority on the court after the appointment of Justice Barrett is perhaps more interested in active examination of those cases, particularly in the area of the First Amendment's protection of religious liberty, than in trying to find that kind of neutral and less controversial ground. More COVID cases are coming, and with them, more restrictions on business and travel will be coming as well. The Supreme Court's procurium opinion in Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn versus Cuomo shows that while the courts will give the executive great deference in this crisis, they will not forget Marbury v. Madison or Ex Parte Young and cease enforcement of the Bill of Rights. The concurring opinions show potential paths for future litigation in this area, particularly Justice Gorsuch's examination of Jacobson versus Massachusetts, a venerable old case in the Supreme Court about a mandatory vaccination program, and the case taken as a whole shows the immediate influence on the court of the appointment of Justice Amy Coney Barrett and suggests that the five-justice conservative majority may be more aggressive in examining certain issues about religious freedom than the Supreme Court has been traditionally in recent years. For upcoming episodes, it's going to be a close call between COVID cases and disputes about election law. will be game time decisions on which I speak to next. I also expect to return to the question of whether the current makeup of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, our local court, Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi federal courts within its jurisdiction, and where a third of the judges, are recent conservative appointees by President Trump, has become more conservative than the Roberts Court on issues that come before it. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of the main directories, and if you like it, I encourage you to join other happy listeners and leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon.